Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Wolverine Podcast on that week. Yes, Michigan, Michigan State at Michigan Stadium on Saturday night. And uh, I'm John Borden. I'm here with Tom Crawford. We will be joined shortly by uh, a real expert on the Michigan State side of things. And we'll talk all about it in one of... I would say Michigan's nastiest rivalry. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about that as we get into this podcast. But uh, we welcome you in. I'm glad you're listening in. Tom Crawford, I appreciate you being here. Uh, Obviously, Tom Crawford is uh, a co-correspondent with uh, Jack Ebling, who is going to be our, uh, our featured guest tonight on uh, Press Pass on Fox 47 on Sunday nights. He's the, uh, he is the founder of the Crawford Podcasting Network. Great to have you with us, Tom. This is Michigan, Michigan State Week. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what it's like where you are right now. Well, uh, l- let me just say from a personal standpoint, this is like I'm an eight-year-old kid and we're approaching Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This is what I've been waiting for. You know, I want to open the gifts around 7:30, if you know what I mean. It's been a long, been a long couple of years in this rivalry. I go back to we gotta go back to 4410 in uh, 2019 since we felt good about this rivalry. But it, there's there's uh, around here specifically, there's not a lot of smack talking going on because I think it's not so much that Michigan State fans think uh, that their team is that bad. I mean, they've been disappointed, but I think they're seeing the writing on the wall about how how effective Michigan is at running the football and, and, and throwing the football in a very balanced attack. And so there's not a lot of buzz going on. I mean, there will be if they pull the upset, they'll come out of the out of the woodwork. But uh, it's kind of kind of quiet around here, to be quite frankly with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we will talk much more about the Michigan State rivalry uh, as we go through this podcast. I do want to, before I leave this topic for now, uh, I want to ask you, I mean, you are clearly a Michigan guy. People know that. Blue Belly Tom, the whole business. (laughs) And yet you have a fair amount of pretty good relationships uh, at Michigan State. You know Tom Izzo well. You know guys up there. What what is this week like for Tom Crawford? Uh, you know it's uh, you know the the I know a lot. I have a lot of former Michigan State players as friends. Um, uh, I have you know former athletic directors, multiple ones as friends. Uh, Tom Izzo is a, is a friend we text often. Um, I don't I don't have a problem with with Michigan State players and and administrators and coaches. I have a problem with our fans, okay? Those are the people that drive me crazy. Fans to the fans is not a is is not a good relationship in, in intercollegiate athletics. Um, players kind of more respect players, coaches respect coach. Well, some of them, maybe 
some coaches who we learned this might be not respect each other as we saw in Jim Harbaugh's press conference on Monday, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, 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 it's a different level, but um, it's for me, it's personal. Uh, my wife graduated Michigan state. I graduated from, graduated from Michigan. So we've had that uh, mixed marriage, if you will, from the start. And my daughter, Kelsey graduated from Michigan state. I got Michigan state friends all over the place from high school days and beyond. Green is all around me, um, but I navigate it as best I can. Yes, and you don't, I can vouch for this, you don't secretly hope that the Spartans either keep it close or pull one out on Saturday. (laughs) You're about as as far as it gets from that. No, I mean, this game of any athletic event that I watch or emotionally attach myself with over the course of every year, this exceeds Michigan-Ohio State. This is the most important athletic get, athletic event for me personally mm. that takes place. I mean, Michigan State basketball would be uh, second and third, those, those uh, home and away games. Michigan football versus Michigan State, this is it. This is the number, number uno for me. All right. A big one. We're going to take a real quick peek back right now to uh, Penn State, and only because uh, we looked at that, uh, you know, before in the bye week, but uh, this time around, it's because uh, Jim Harbaugh was asked about uh, Coach Franklin's uh, (laughs) judgment regarding the Michigan Tunnel at halftime and how practices there might need to be changed somewhat. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, I want to quote the response. I'm sure most people listening in have heard it. Uh, I'm I'm sure they won't mind hearing it again because you rarely see this kind of coach-to-coach sort of bluntness. Jim Harbaugh said, I've really got bigger fish to fry than Coach Franklin's opinion on the halftime tunnel from a game ago. All they've got to do is walk into their locker room. I think you saw pretty clearly that they completely stopped. They weren't letting us get up the tunnel. It just seemed like such a sophomoric ploy to keep us out of our locker room, and he looked like he was the ringleader of the whole thing. But no, I've got bigger fish to fry than to worry about that kind of whining. So what I gathered from that is you probably will not see – any exchange of Christmas cards between James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh this Christmas season? You, you think, JP? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I mean, my word. And, you know that, and he he makes this you know overreaction, if you will, that you can't have a single tunnel in intercollegiate football. Okay, they got one at Michigan State. There's there's never issues in you know in the tunnel that there's never there's never been really an issue. Well, I take it back. The 2013 Michigan-Ohio State game uh, that Michigan uh, lost 42-41. Uh, well, a great game, mind you. Uh, I mean, that you had that little thing. But all that did was juice everybody up. It wasn't It wasn't anything bad. It was just smack talking. It wasn't – I mean, th- that's just the way it should be. I mean, it's either that or out on the field. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State have had spits bats in the, in the center of the field. Ohio State tore down Michigan's banner in, in 1973 that I witnessed. I mean, that's just part of the game. but. But I, you know, I, I'm with Harbaugh on this one. I, I thought, you know, the way that the way they they they, they uh, navigate that is they hold Michigan back, and the you know the opposing team has the. I mean, they're right there. I mean, they could just walk out. But they, you know, they, but they 
they sauntered a little slower than, and then this started in the smack talk and starting. I think Penn State got full of themselves because they're getting their their butts kicked statistically, but they're only two points down, and so they felt right. a little, you know, sassy about it. And uh, look what happened in the second half. <laughs> Yeah, and somebody might have wanted chicken salad rather than peanut butter sandwiches. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, they, 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 a couple of them might have fumbled their sandwiches and caused a delay in the tunnel. But it yeah. was, uh, it, I just thought it was really interesting from the standpoint of we rarely get that kind of coach to coach bluntness. We know it goes on. We know it goes on, but uh, not often are you going to hear that kind of an answer. Uh, from Jim Harbaugh on something that direct. And I think it shows, you know, a little bit of James Franklin trying to change the subject from the fact that his team got his butt collectively kicked. Well, well he was he came up with excuses after that game. We don't have the side. We don't have Aaron Donalds on this team. Remember that stuff. Uh, right. In, in, the, in the immediate post game. I mean, this time, I mean, the only time I recall Harbaugh really getting a spit spat with the other coach was, was, uh, the Devin Bush thing, uh, I think it was that 2018, mm -hmm. uh, on the Monday presser, he talked about, uh, you know, about that whole, the whole protocol about walking the field and we have the field. I mean, that, that's the only other time that I've seen Harbaugh step out in that. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I like that. I, I, I like what he said on Monday. Uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't over the top, but he was standing firm on his opinion of it. And, uh, you know, Hey, look forward to the Michigan and Penn state game <laughs> next year. Huh? Absolutely, and it shows that he's feeling pretty good about this team. He's I seven and zero. He's got yep. that little edge. He's gonna mm -hmm. he's gonna mix it up a little bit. It's like bring it, okay? You know, yep. I can I can chop it up and then then you know throw that little backhander in. I've got bigger fish to fry, and that right. would be Michigan State. Hey, other big news from uh, the press conference on Monday? Not really a shocker to those who have been following this closely but Harbaugh did confirm that uh, tight end captain tight end Eric All is done for the year he tweeted out that he had back surgery uh your thoughts well it's it's a crusher i mean th th this this young man has had an incredible life uh of of challenges i mean he he almost died when his house burned down as an infant we heard that story rescued by a fireman uh, but I, I I feel bad for I mean this guy's a talented athlete I don't I have no idea how this is going to play out uh, with any remaining college participation at Michigan or the NFL but I do know this I I really enjoyed talking with him I had I I, I got lucky and got some one on one moments with him at Big Ten Media Days uh, in in Indianapolis and uh, just by luck and 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 just uh, an engaging young man. And and one thing that stood out for me with him and Mozzie Smith, in particular, with uh, the Michigan representation, was that they're looking so much forward to this Michigan State game. I mean, it was a high priority game. And I never ever at Big Ten Media Days heard Michigan refer to Michigan State. This ties into the topic of the day. And Eric All was the first to bring it up. It wasn't a media person baiting him with a question. He brought it up about priorities. It's, we got to beat Michigan State. We got to yeah. beat Michigan State. And that, there was no. No bones about it. So I mean, that adds to. I mean, it gives you a real pulse on, on how game, how much this game means to him, even as a non-participant and and the entire team. 
No doubt. They were setting a tone there early at uh, Media Days, and they really haven't backed away from that. They said their goals was win both of these major rivalry games. They took care of Ohio State last year. They want to do it again, but Michigan State has certainly been an emphasis. Um, one more question, I'd say, before we get into uh, more of the Michigan State talk. I just want to know in your mind, we're seven games in, and as you look, we, we kind of had our ideas about what groups, position groups for Michigan might be strong early in the year and see how that goes. In your mind, if you were to pick the top three position groups to this point in the season for Michigan going into this Michigan State game, what would they be and why? Oh, that's that's a, that's a great question, and uh, and and they're hard to select from uh, two two in particular. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, old school here, and I'm gonna go with the offensive line uh, because I I really did not anticipate them improving over last year, and last year was an award winning offensive line, and they had some obviously some turnover, and 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 even and Trent A. Jones, they have they've had a couple injuries in there, um, but uh, I, I think they're amazing, and so. That they they that stands out number one. I'm gonna go flip. I'm gonna also go trenches, and I'm gonna go the D line. The D line also has been uh, just mesmerizing me. Like, how did you get so good uh, yeah. on the interior? And I uh, have been incredibly impressed with the D line, and I think they're gonna have a big day and a big impact on the outcome of this game on Saturday night. And then how can I not <laughs> how can I not go up to the running back slot, especially when we got two of them, mind you. And, and and Blake Corn, Donovan Edwards, that's a that's a killer combination. What a tandem that's going to be. I mean, Blake carrying all, making all those carries, all those yards early on. Now Donovan joining in the mix and 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 the breakaway, you know, chunk huge chunk plays that they had against Penn State. So those would be my top three. But there's a lot of other areas as well. Oh, there's no question about it. I want to make two comments about what you had to say, and I agree uh, pretty much right down the line with the position groups you picked. If you have any team where you can say the top two position groups are the offensive line and the defensive line right off the bat, you probably have a pretty good team. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> that is a great place, great place yeah. to start. And yeah. then, you know, how do you argue with the running backs, especially coming off that Penn State game? At the same time, these defensive backs are better, I think, than we expected because of the personnel losses, you say, okay, how's this all going to come around? You know, that secondary uh, is is pretty darn good, and I think will play a major role on Saturday. And then you've got, oh, well, the top uh, guy in the country as far as completing passes uh, from under center and from the shotgun in uh, JJ <laughs> McCarthy. You know, yeah. and that he's been pretty pretty decent himself. So. Position group-wise, you lost Cade McNamara, and he has not been back. So, you know, uh, it has pretty much been a one-man show, but it's been a pretty good show. So yeah. I, some some nice honorable mentions there, I do believe. Well, the Mike Sane was still going from wide receiver to corner. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I, I didn't imagine that, that this would be such a smooth transition and what he's done in that, in that secondary. And – and, and I, I, you know, you can, Jamon Green, I mean, you could go out, you can pick all these guys and, and, you know, you can go down one by one 
and and say, you know, wow, th think of what he's contributed. I like what Harbaugh talked about that defense so on money because it's stuck in my mind. It goes back to this to the both teams of, of a, a late 60s and 70s is the fact there's so many defenders getting to the ball. I've never seen that before in a long, long time. It goes back to the 69 team, Bo's first team, where he had five guys at the ball. And that's what this Michigan defense is doing right now. Yeah. The one, I, I guess the surprise uh, unit that wouldn't be in those top three, given what we were kind of thinking before the season started, what would we say? Wide receivers, absolutely yeah. loaded, absolutely yeah. loaded. And I'm thinking maybe the fact that they're not in those top three groups so far has been as much a function of they haven't had to rely heavily on the passing game yet. Mm -hmm. You may start to see that this weekend because oh. of uh, if if uh, Michigan has taken a look at Michigan State secondary and knows, okay, we can we can attack here. Uh, you you may see that start to pick up. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as unbalanced as it was in the Penn State game between run and pass. No, you're not going to get a buck forty five in the air and and you know four eighteen. You're not going to you're not going to run that much on the on the Michigan State deal. I, I love it to happen, and I hope I'm wrong. But that, I mean, Michigan State's going to load up the front. Michigan State's really good at defending the run traditionally against Michigan. And uh, but but you're right. I mean that that those wideouts and, and led by Ronnie Bell uh, is you know that's you're gonna you're gonna see an emergence when because of of what because Michigan has been reacting offensively to what the defense gives them right and uh, I I think you're gonna see more teams trying to stop Michigan. I mean Illinois is gonna do that. I mean I, I think Michigan is gonna have to have a incredibly balanced attack to beat Illinois on on the second the last uh, regular season game of the season. Absolutely. All right. Do we have our uh, our guest on hand? There he is. How about that? Jack Ebling is uh, a three-time State of Michigan Sports Writer of the Year, member of the Greater Lansing Sports Hall of Fame, writer and broadcaster in mid-Michigan since 1978, author of eight books, including The Perfect Ten, which centered on the final 10 seconds of Michigan, the Michigan MSU game of 2015. Uh, Jack, otherwise known as uh, to Michigan fans as 10 seconds in hell, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, that was uh, the the big moment that uh, they keep replaying. And uh, I, I appreciate you joining us on a very special week in the state of Michigan. John, I just lost the audio. Can you hear me? I can yeah, hear you. I yes. I can't hear you. I could hear you up until about 30 seconds ago, and now I've lost the audio here. Oh, there, there. So I, I didn't right touch the, the computer. I don't know whether I need to call back in. Uh, can you hear me now? I cannot hear you. Okay. Maybe have him dial back. Maybe have him dial back. I can back read Tom's lips. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice doing that over the years. <laughs> I'm going to well, kill out of this and try to sign back in. That sounds okay. good. That sounds sounds good. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we've got uh, we've got Jack introduced. Now we'll get him so that he can yeah. converse with us because well, that, that perfect tent book. You know, I mean that that's that 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 brain. You know, the light bulb went on when he was riding with me out of Ann Arbor and and seeing the misery I was going through as quote unquote fan media after that disastrous ending of that game, which was. 
by far the worst ending to an athletic event that I was emotionally attached to. The most traumatic that I was attached to. Okay. No I, I will not it. I will not hesitate in putting that in the number one slot. And and I hope it never happens again. And I mean uh, you we could uh, you, you could have Michigan win six or seven 35 nothing games in a row and state fans will never forget yet or get you to forget that game. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. I believe it was uh John Wangler who once famously said they'll get more uh mileage out of one win then uh, Michigan will get out of 10 but oh, I don't yeah. know if that's the case anymore uh, the D'Antonio years sort of uh, got them uh, all too accustomed to winning in this series and uh, that's why uh, I think that there's a great emphasis from Jim Harbaugh on down to rectifying that sort of uh, uh, turn in the series that uh, they would like to keep going yeah, I mean, I love. I mean, at the presser on Monday, uh, I mean, authoritatively, Jim Harbaugh said it's it's per, You know, I want this. I want to win this game. I mean, he he. I mean, you've seen him for. I mean, this is 2015 in front of you. I mean, didn't you feel that there was a different approach to this? It wasn't a snarky, uh, don't bother me with questions, or uh, tight kind of. It was a loose, uh, animated engaging yet respectful the opponent version of Jim Harbaugh. No I, I like I like Jim Harbaugh since 2021 early on. It's been a good version of Jim Harbaugh. I like these last two years. Yeah, well everybody Let's likes keep them. Let's keep them for a while. Everybody <laughs> likes these last two years because <laughs> what you've got is is Jim Harbaugh who has rediscovered his mojo. Whatever I mean he came in with the swagger and the cockiness and the taking on other coaches, whether they be uh, SEC coaches and they were having the back and forth about camps and all that kind of thing. And I think he's got some of that back. You know, winning, winning the Big Ten title and taking down Ohio State will do that for you. And, well, I, and I, and I, John, I think, he, I think uh, he made some great hires. Clinkdale. Yeah. I mean, we could go on Mike Hart. I mean, uh, Jesse Minter, that's worked out. Uh, Sharon Moore, what's happened at, at the O-line and the, and the co-coordinator thing has worked out. And, and, and the, and from what I'm understanding about the dynamics and the, in, 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 in the rooms and everything like that, it's a different kind of Schembechler hall now than it was 2020 prior to 2015. There's a difference mm -hmm. from what I've learned in Jim Harbaugh. And it shows yeah. you can improve. Dave Wanstead talked about a BT, on a Big Ten Network. You know, you can make changes in, uh, even late in your coaching career. You can improve your game just like players improve their game. They learn more. But I think letting coaches coach, and that's what he's doing on this staff, that's been the secret sauce for Jim Harbaugh. I also think that just the culture of Michigan football has changed over that same period. I think they have, uh, I honestly think they have fewer me guys. and That's fewer, true. That, that's a good point. Fewer guys that are looking towards the NFL first. Um, I, I just think that this is, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh has talked about the culture and talked about the uh, sort of the feeling among teammates on these last couple of teams. And I, I see a definite difference. Oh yeah, there's no question about it. Now, how how that 
you know, the, the, this back half of the schedule, we got five games to go, and there's a plenty of potholes, even including that game at up in Piscataway against Rutgers after this emotional Michigan State game prior to the Nebraska and Illinois home bouts we have there before Ohio State. That's another one of those flare guns. You know what I mean? Those are red flag games you got to watch out for. So um, you're gonna, we're going to constantly be evaluating Jim Harbaugh, how he handles this team going down the stretch because coaching is a big part of, of the final output in my mind. No question. Uh, hopefully we can get Jack Ebling back yeah, in with us. Yeah, where did us. he go? Uh, I, he's, we're, we're still trying to connect there so that uh, <clears throat> everybody can hear everybody else. But first topic as far as U of M, MSU, let me just throw this at you first. I'm, I'm, going, to, uh, I, I'm going to ask Jack when we get him in, and, uh, but I want to just toss this one your way. You, both of you guys, who uh, I know work together and have for a long time, uh, are steeped in Michigan football history and in Michigan, Michigan State history. When you take a look back over the course of, of this series, what are the things that come to your mind? Well, I mean, the, the dynamic is, uh, has changed in terms of fans' perception. You know, since Mark D'Antonio arrived in East Lansing in, in that 2008, well, obviously the little spits bat with Mike Hart, uh, and then, and then Mich- you know, Michigan State winning 10 of the last 14, that's gotten Michigan fans' attention. And they used to look down on Michigan State. Uh, and, and, I, and I use my fraternity brothers uh, and, and Michigan friends as, as a, uh, a benchmark on, on their attitudes toward Michigan State. They, ah, who cares about Michigan State? And then all of a sudden, I don't like Michigan State. And now all of a sudden, they're kind of obsessed with Michigan State in terms of this game. That, you, know, uh, you know, like they, we got to win this game because they're tired of what's happened. And they're losing these last two games. When Michigan State had the inferior uh, uh, talent, if you will, and the way they last year's game, how that played out, some controversy laced in there. Michigan ends up winning the Big Ten championship, beats Ohio State, but they still had that loss from Michigan State. That adds up. I've never seen a Michigan game, as far as Michigan fans are concerned, more important than this year in a, a like in a long, long time, a long, long time, and. And also, they don't just want to win the game. 80% of them want, want a beat down. That, that's part of their, of their vision, their fantasy. They want, they want that bad because they're feeling all this frustration for the last few years. And one of the themes on Monday, you brought several players in after Harbaugh talked on Monday. And one of the things that they all talked about, it seemed like, was the bus ride home from East Lansing last year. And uh, it was not a fun one. It was very quiet. It was very somber. You had an angry, uh, shocked in some ways team that, uh, that knew it had a significant lead on Michigan State in its own building and let that slip through their fingers. I think that that is a, a real motivator for this year. I think it's enough of a motivator that Michigan players will be able to completely ignore, completely shut out the struggles that Michigan State has had so far this year. Yeah, I think that, you know, when, when you hear Harbaugh talk about how many times they've looked at that film, the players looked at that film. 
when he immediately started talking about Michigan State after the Penn State win uh, in the tunnel, Blake Corum with Harbaugh. Yeah, that one, that was a, that, they, they took that one to, to heart. And I, and I really think that they will be ready to play. It's, it's almost like my, my fear of, you know, I'm a worrywart when it comes to this game <laughs> for justifiable reasons because uh, crazy stuff has happened. Uh, that they don't overthink this and get too cute. I mean, I think Michigan can dominate, can win this game by, you know, by running the football and, 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 and just moving the sticks time of possession. Like they beat Penn state, try to get that advantage and then incorporate the, the, you know, the, the aerial game when, when need be, and they're going to probably need it more than they did against Penn state and, and other teams. I, I almost envision that the offensive line will wear down Michigan State's defense much like um, or very similar to what um, Michigan did on both sides of the ball, actually, uh, against Indiana. I mean, actually, even more so on the flip side. I thought Indiana went up-tempo so much and they wore themselves out that Michigan's D-line had a field day against Indiana. They had the seven sacks, seven different players, seven sacks. I think they wore them down. So I think both trenches are going to wear the other trench down and maybe even more so the defense wearing down Michigan State's offense uh, because I think State's going to go up-tempo in this game. And if Michigan can hold serve and and, and get the time of possession back, they should be in pretty good shape. Just don't turn the ball over because if Michigan's put the ball in the ground a few times, John, but they've been recovering those. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, don't lose those. I mean, they're plus three in turnovers. Michigan State's even Steven, but don't, don't put the ball on the, on the turf thinking you're going to recover it like they have, fortunately, in the, these past seven games. You were talking a little nuts and bolts there. Do you see Michigan going to the pass earlier than maybe they even did uh, against Indiana? That was kind of a gradual thing. They were uh, the, the way the coaches used to uh, characterize it is tenderizing the opponent. So, you know, you, that run game and you, and you loosen them up a little bit and then you go to the throw. In this particular game, given the issues that Michigan State has had with its secondary, does Michigan come out firing right off the bat, or do they beat them up a little up front first? I, I think they're going to. I'm going to think they're going to try to strike balance because I think physicality in this game. I think Michigan wants to make a statement that this, we're you know we're here. Okay, that we're going to be physical. And uh, not not go Bo Schembechler, you know, where you know out of the seventy snaps you're, you're running it, you know, ninety nine percent of the time. But what what I'm saying is, I I, I think they're gonna. It's not gonna be all pass. I think they're gonna. I think maybe they you know they get into a third and four situation. They'll be throwing the ball in situations like that. And um, so I think run first, and then they'll run the play action off that. I'm just guessing. I can't imagine Michigan getting away from the running game coming off what how effective they were against Penn State. So why 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 switch why I switch up that winning formula? At least give it a go against Michigan State and see how it plays out. Understood. That said, it would be kind of fun to see a drawn up Michigan State defense looking to stack the run on the first play and uh, bury Blake Corum and get an emotional uh, first defensive stop. And you go play action, you unload one to Andrell Anthony over the top <laughs> of everybody, and it goes yeah. for uh, for 75 yards, yards of the touchdown. Or, or 93 yards. Like, I mean, Michigan's back <laughs> yeah. up and that, run that drag pattern, that crosser, and all, he's off to the races, the first catch he, he makes. I mean, and I think Andrell's going to, you know, it sounds like to me he's going to get more of a role in here and 
And so, yeah, I, I, I think balance, I think balance uh, is what's really going to be the, the thing that brings Michigan state down. Cause I don't mm-hmm. think they can uh, defend and, and, and also a balance. I think I've, Michigan state is going to have to strike a balance a little bit more. They can't all throw against Michigan and expect to win this game. They're going to have to get a running game going. They have effectively gotten a running game going against Michigan in the past. I think it's going to be exceedingly challenging this year. Yeah. Here is a uh, an attitudinal question because it always surrounds this game. Uh, there is an edge to how this game is played. There seem to be more personal fouls, a little more on the sidelines, a little more under the piles. Uh, if you talk to guys that have played in this game, uh, guys like Steve Everett have uh, have some wonderful descriptions uh, about what goes on at the bottom of the pile in, in this game. It I characterize it as the nastiest rivalry that Michigan takes part in. You have Ohio State, and you've always heard, well, that's a hard-hitting rivalry, and that's this is the big two, two biggest rivals in the Big Ten. Uh, they respect each other and all. I, I think some of that went out the window with uh, some of the shenanigans in, in recent years, uh, the Jim Trestle stuff. Uh, but also, Michigan, Michigan State just seems to have more of an edge, just seems nastier. Agree or disagree? I, I agree totally. And, and, and I've talked to a lot of former players. Um, and I, I'll, never, I'll never forget a conversation I had with Jared Bunch former fullback at Michigan. He talked well, comparing the Michigan Ohio state game. This is in a radio interview and said, you'd never want to hang around the pile, if you will, against Michigan state, because it's, it's chippy. And then being under the pile is another thing. He pretty much stated, and he's an Ohio guy, if I'm not mistaken, that the Ohio state game was much cleaner mm-hmm. and almost more respectful right. than Michigan, Michigan state. I mean, Michigan state and Michigan I mean, you go back. I mean, I can I can countless games that it's been chippy. I'll never forget the '92 game, Michigan won 35-10. That got really chippy down the stretch, and and, and other games as well. So, um, yeah, Michigan State is they, it's a bad rivalry, as Ballas says. It's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you the Michigan State people point all the way back to Michigan uh, looking to keep uh, Michigan State out of the Big Ten as at the very beginning of things. And then you've always had that. Um, uh, well, the vote. Has... But how about the vote, the Rose Bowl sure. vote following the 1973 season and, and Michigan's AD voted against Michigan. And so it's like, is this a payback for, for Michigan now wanting Michigan State to get in the Big Ten? So it's been going back and forth uh, for a lot. But I, but I say that, but when I, there's still a lot of respect from administrators at the University of Michigan and and and, and coaches and uh, at uh, at Michigan State and and so I, it's not totally that way. Yeah, understood. But I just you know we've both talked to enough players that on that field it it can get very very chippy, and I think it goes one of two ways. If uh, if Michigan gets out to a, a bigger lead, I think it it tends to uh, boil over in frustration where the Michigan State line. is more likely to pick up a personal foul penalty or that late sideline hit, that sort of thing. Jacob Panashuk in, in, in 2019. I mean, yeah. in 2019, 
uh, in that 44-10 loss. I saw Michigan State. Well, there were a lot of personal fouls in it. I mean, they they just they just lost their composure, uh, and I you don't see that often from that team, but it certainly happened in that game. That was just raw emotion. Yes or no? Good uh, development that Michigan State actually knocked off Wisconsin in uh, in double overtime or not? Because I contend that that that's not the worst thing that ever happened. I know Michigan fans want to see Michigan State lose every game, or at least some of them do. Uh, but in this situation, you had a team spiraling down and lost four in a row, and they beat Wisconsin. Maybe that just is enough of a reminder to this Michigan team that, hey, you know, they can still come up and, and get some people. Well, I think, you know, I think that point of uh, that game uh, had more for Michigan State than it did for Michigan, because I, I think that if Michigan State had lost to Wisconsin, I'm not saying they would have checked out, but they would they would not have had. I mean, their daubers would have been down too significantly, I think. And and they would this would game would be very difficult with a bye week and all the lingering and all the fans, you know, second guessing them. I think they 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 got some mojo back with that win. That was a quality win. Wisconsin went and beat down Mount Purdue the next week. And it, but you're right, it reminded Michigan. Look, we can't take Michigan State for granted. Brandon, we like to beat them down when they're when they're down. Uh, maybe this team is not that bad as we first thought. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate uh, your thoughts on this. Do we have Jack it looks available? Like, looks like we see him in studio. I think we see. I see him on the uh, on my screen in terms of there. Can Matthew bring him in or not? I am not seeing him. Not seeing him here entered into uh, the visual portion of this <laughs> podcast. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep on plowing here. Uh, still having issues. Yeah. Still having issues. That, that is, we will, uh, we will definitely get with Jack Ebling another time. If turnovers. he's not able to get in here. Those turnovers, well, man, they get you every time. <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt about it. Okay. Blunt question. Does Michigan state stand a chance in this game? Oh, I mean, every every team in the Big Ten East has – well, maybe not Rutgers or Indiana. But, um, I mean, they have a chance if Michigan helps them. If, you know, I think that the, it sounds like we'll look at the weather, which I, I, you know, I hit refresh every seven minutes, you know, after that 2017 game. I want a dry field. Um, yeah, they have a chance. I, you know, and they have a chance because of Jaden Reed. He's the he's the Kenneth Walker of this team. I mean, he's not the, the Kenneth Walker, but he's the one guy that Michigan has got to keep their eye on. He's a jump ball guy, as Harbaugh alluded to. He makes big. He's a big play guy. He's an NFL guy. And when you have him, and you got Keon Coleman, another good wideout who's got a lot of the basketball player we know of, uh, Daniel Barker, a tight end, and you know. With, with Peyton Thorne, it's on again, off again. I mean, it, this is just like last year. Look at the Michigan game of last year. Peyton Thorne was off in the first half. All of a sudden, he gets in the groove in the second half. Okay? So it's it's so it's an erratic quarterback. It's a quarterback that if he gets in the groove, he can drop it in the trash can from, you know, 40 yards out. So, yeah, I mean, that is possible. I think it's unlikely that Michigan State's going to win. Highly unlikely. But it's but – it, but it's – Likely that it could be, or maybe not likely, but it's uh, it, there's a possibility that it could be a fourth quarter game. 
okay, with circa, you know, could be a 20 to 10 game. I, I have a 20 to 10 game in the fourth quarter. I have Michigan winning this game 27 to 10. 27 uh, to 10. 27 okay. to 10. Yep. Uh, and, and, and people think 27 to 10, that's not even the spread. But I just think, I think uh, Michigan State's going to play well, uh, but not good enough. Yeah, that kind of game. Yeah. Uh, emotional game. I, I think Michigan is going to pull away in this game if it does not make the big mistake early. If it scores early, if it gets rolling with some confidence and shows it's going to move the ball without turning it over, like you said. And, you know, I, my, my margin, which will be revealed later this week in our own staff picks on the, on the Wolverine website. But I, I think, you know, I'd, I'd go with a little bit bigger spread than you, but it depends almost entirely on how the early going of this game is because you get that turnover in Michigan Terrier territory you get that uh, big mistake and Michigan State scores and all of a sudden you know it's rolling with little confidence that could change things in a big hurry well so. if and, and Michigan starts thinking about things one thing the x factor in this game uh you know and I'm not a big fan of night games but I I, I love the fact that this is a night game here I say that sounds you know contradictive but um I, I think that crowd's going to be a big issue uh, for a couple reasons, right? You know, you know, just because the blue out and, 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 you know, they're going to have a light show at Mr. Brightside, the third quarter, that third quarter, you know, sing along thing they always do. And uh, the weather conditions are going to be great. You got the fever pitch going, building on towards that. All the, these fans want this game. Michigan fans want this game. And the other element is uh, you're not get, going to be getting, in my prediction, as much Michigan State fan representation. And that, in that, you know, in the corner on, you know, in the in the southwest corner that you do, or way up there in the, uh, in in the southeast corner up high, I, it's right. not going to be like it normally is, because I think there's a lot of Michigan State fans that don't have quite the hunger to somehow get in that stadium because we got a chance to win, because I think the the lion's share of Michigan State fans think they have no chance of winning if if you had them, you know, be totally candid with. Yep, no doubt about it. Understood. So all of that being said, if Michigan happens to win big in this game, does the noise surrounding one Mel Tucker increase? Uh, he's been talked about as, uh, as the coach that signed the $95 million contract, and a lot of people say it was based on two wins, both of them over the University of Michigan. What uh, what happens if Michigan takes care of business in this game with regard to Coach Tucker? Well, it, it depends on how they uh, how the rest of the season goes for Michigan State. I mean, they have some great opportunities to bounce. I mean, they got they got to go to Champaign the following week to play Illinois, which mm -hmm. will be a you know that that's going from Michigan Michigan's defense to Illinois's defense. You know, if they if they if they bounce back and get a win there, I mean, and they got you know they got Indiana and Rutgers. They'll they'll get those two games. They could do a bowl game. They compete well against Penn State. And if they win the bowl game, maybe go seven and six. Uh, the noise won't be that negative because you know there's basketball too. You know, so Michigan State fans will gravitate towards that. And their women's soccer team just won a Big Ten title, so they'll be all about women's soccer because that's what Michigan State does. When they find a sport they win at, that's all you hear about. That coach will have his own show here before the end of it, tongue in cheek. But I'm just saying that um, I don't if if 
if Michigan State wins, you know, gets bowl eligible, there won't be any noise. But if he if this thing goes in the tank, say they win maybe one more game or even two more games, say they go four and eight, yeah, a ninety-five million dollar contract. Um, and and you know, I mean, it's like, wow, what you know, what what is this? What we're getting, the naysayers, and then they also the declarations of they need to fire that offensive coordinator, they need to fire that defensive coordinator. That always comes out. That's the chic thing right. to do, mm-hmm. and you'll hear a lot of that noise. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you you have given us a score: Michigan twenty-seven, Michigan State ten. Tell me how you perceive them to get to those numbers. Will this be a game well into the second half, even if it turns out the way you're saying with a 17-point spread? I don't, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not, and I'm a lousy score predictor, to be quite honest with you. Um, and 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 maybe yet, maybe I'm trying to uh, guard myself against not getting overly enthused about, you know, and predicting a 45 to three or something like that, which I. I would love if it was a big score in this game. And then I love it to happen again and again and again. Okay. Um, and maybe then I'll feel better about this situation since 2008. But um, I just think that, you know, it's going to be some, you know, maybe a, maybe a 20 to three at halftime, they score to make it 20 to 10 and then Michigan scores to make it 27 to 10. And, and then Michigan just, you know, just plays it out. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 for some reason, I have this twenty-seven to ten up there. I really don't, didn't really uh, pound the nail on how to figure out how it was going to get to that point. Right. But um, I, I, I think you know, it, I, I think Michigan could be vulnerable to a turnover too, which slows down the, the, the having a margin grow quickly. Sure. Understand. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I want a clean game, uh, <laughs> and I want penalty free. Yeah. Not well, like Indiana game. That was not good. I have seen very few penalty-free Michigan-Michigan State games. No. Uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not banking heavily on that, but I am going to, you know, certainly agree with you about the level of ferocity in this game, the passion, uh, just everything that, that goes into it. You're going to see that on display on Saturday night. Uh, you are going to see a, uh, uh, I think, a really, really whipped up Michigan crowd. I do uh, too. They are not going to care that uh, that Michigan State has had its troubles. They're going to smell blood. They're going to mm-hmm. say, "Okay, this needs to be just uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the Penn State Part Two, yeah, uh, in, in a different way." I agree, John. You know, they're going to take the Steve Spurrier mentality. Uh, if it's 21, how do we get it to 28? Let's get it to 35. Let's get it to 42. That crowd, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be at Ohio State level, but it's going to be close. Because you look at those Saturday night crowds that they've had at Michigan State, the, the Notre Dame games, there's been like three of them. That yeah. Washington game against a, a Husky team that wasn't even that good, I couldn't believe how a fever pitch that crowd was. So uh, maybe not the Hawaii game of Robbie. (laughs) But when you look at those night, the past night crowds, other than the monsoon that I want to bring up in 2017, it's been a good fit to have Michigan play night football at the corner of the stadium in Maine. No question. And you're going to see it this Saturday night, Michigan versus Michigan State. And uh, one team 
that is undefeated and hoping to roll into Columbus at the end of the season, still undefeated, and one team that's had uh, some major, major struggles. We'll see how this all plays out. Uh, Tom Crawford, fantastic job as always. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we will talk about this game and more come next week. Look forward to it. There'll be a lot to cover, I'll tell you, a week from today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.